Welcome to All Things Photonics, a podcast about the physical science of light driving scientific innovation in the 21st century. I'm Joel Williams, Associate Editor at Photonics Media. Join us as we explore the latest trends in optics, lasers, microscopy, and spectroscopy. Each episode, you'll hear from leading voices from across the photonics landscape, brought to you by Photonics Media. Today's episode is sponsored by Block Engineering, a manufacturer of widely tunable mid-infrared lasers based on quantum cascade laser technology. Block's lasers are designed for spectroscopy, imaging, and other applications that require highly precise and stable illumination with flexible programming. Please visit www.blockeng.com for more information. The episode is also sponsored by Zimia, your number one camera manufacturer for industrial, commercial, and scientific applications, creating the best innovations in the market. They specialize in unique custom and off-the-shelf solutions for every need. Visit www.ximea.com today. In our flagship magazine, Photonic Spectra, we have a section that looks back at the innovations that appeared in previous issues 5, 10, 20, and 30 years ago. Typically, when we get to 20 and 30 year marks, we're looking at research advances that are just now hitting the market as products or services. Coincidentally, when we reached out to today's guests, they noted that they saw their work pop up in that very section. About 20 years ago, Hang Xing Zhang and Jing Yu Lin invented the micro LED. While the technology did see commercialization between then and now in the form of automobile and industrial lighting, the dream was to see the technology be applied to displays. If you're looking for a new TV this holiday season, you may have noticed that the top of the line isn't just populated with OLED models. While manufacturing challenges still remain, micro-LEDs offer a wonderful marriage of efficiency, brightness, and sheer possibility. In today's conversation, we'll explore that marriage. Up next, news editor Joel Williams speaks with professors Hong Xingjiang and Jingyu Lin, co-directors of Texas Tech University's Nanophotonics Center. I'm Dom Aquista, department's editor for Photonics Media, and you're listening to All Things Photonics. You know, while micro LEDs are, you know, still something of an emerging technology, sorry to bring up the number, but uh, it's been about 23 years uh, since the research that first realized them. Can you tell us a little bit about those early years of work, what led to the development and uh, some of those early applications of micro LED technology? We were working on nitride and uh, specifically we were working on some kind of called the photonic structures or nano structures. So there was one question, and uh, what happened if we make these uh, big LED, typically 300 micron by 300 micron, if we reduce to a very small size, is any physical property will be changed? Is any performance will be changed? That was originally how this uh, came from. And so we decided that uh, we're going to try to make one. And, but uh, for getting nitrate, particularly early time, and uh, P-type materials was issued, and the contact resistance will be increasing as the size becomes smaller. So it takes some time to play around to improve the performance, and uh, eventually, and we find, and this can be done. So we demonstrate, I think, the first one, and uh, two zero zero zero, and uh, with a size about uh, twelve micron 
uh, it looks bright and the blue colors will get uh, uh, very excited. <laughs> yes, I guess. In fact, there's some other additional challenges we face, I guess. Was like etching, was that was like went back to early 2000s, you know, etching carbon nitride was not that trivial to, to also we need to overcome certain like a surface damage. You need to really optimize how you control those processes. In order to get the light from a very small size galaminitri micro LED, we called at that time, we called the micro disc LED, in fact. So that was not that trivial. So we were very, very excited. Went back to very early, like 2000s, we see the light coming out from like under microscope. It was really bright. <laughs> so that was a very amazing feeling, yes. Yeah, um, when we get this uh, first microLED and we both are finished, we're kind of interested to see if anything new comes up, you just by reducing the size. Mm -hmm. And we find it quite interesting, and I feel think there's very two the advantages of these uh, LED used as a lighting or display. And one thing is, its efficiency can increase per unit area compared with all the big LEDs. And second thing is, uh, you find that these LEDs, uh, they turn on, turn off speed also increase. So these are very important properties. And today for all these application AR, VR, 3D, because you need a very high speed of the displays. So the early applications that you were referring to, I think after we kind of realize that in fact because uh, compared to other traditional three nitrides, three fives, three nitrides we actually grow on sapphire substrate which is a uh, highly electrically insulating and also transparent so we figure out that maybe we could actually with micro LEDs on chip and reason them or maybe we can do something interconnect on chip to making like uh, early applications which include the something we call the interconnected LED, micro LEDs on chip, we get a lot more light. Uh, that was one of the big applications when we get down to like a deep UV region, which extraction efficiency becomes a huge problem. And then the other one we, we talk about is uh, it's become very important one, right? It's uh, connected micro LEDs in series on chip, they can handle high voltage, AC voltage. And this is the Hongxing name right after we call high voltage AC, DC, LED. So that's what was early applications we actually did very well in terms of the IP positions. Yeah, this is the beginning and we will start to work on this LED. We were thinking one question. We already have an existing infrastructure, 110 watts AC, and we're going to have LED to replace all these light bulbs. Are we going to add a DC three volts for the LED lighting? or we are going to use the infrastructure we have, the LED have to work on for the high voltage and AC. So that the question bring us to this called AC LEDs. So we're connecting series for the one string, another string is reverse. So you have the AC and high voltage and uh, uh, we can plug in our LEDs and direct to the power outlet. That was the first plot that's real products and uh, uh, we invented the uh, effort on this market. It's quite ex exciting. You know? it's, it's on chip, it's not like Christmas tree, out, connect them outside, you know, so this was really a big advancement in terms of the use of those uh, 
people also call they use the similar adapters to mini LED too, right? They connect the mini LED on chip or or flip a chip bounded to other outside the circuits. So the way approach we did was like adopted that pretty widely. Can you tell us a little bit about the path to commercialization? You know, aside from displays, uh, you know, micro LEDs uh, have seen a lot of use in uh, solid state lighting uh, and in automobile lighting. Uh, tell us a little bit about that journey and how you find a balance between business and research. You know, we're uh, um, doing the research and we always uh, get uh, very interested to make some real products. So as I mentioned, this ACLD for both for the and high voltage noise for the lighting and for the DC relative low voltage 12 volts and these for the headlights of the car and all these are become commercialized a pretty bigger and the market. So we find we really did something and important to the society and will help to reduce the energy and using all these kind of things. And uh, uh, in the process, and uh, we find uh, we uh, try to find some real applications uh, from the uh, kind of research we are doing. Right. So this uh, ACLED high voltage, high ACLED or DC high voltage LED, we, we thought it's more like a byproduct of our micro LED research. So we were really interested in making like a micro display and uh, went back early 2000s as you see some of the publications we had. The first one we made, we tried to like uh, uh, put in the wires uh, down in the circuit and connect each micro LEDs on chip and then put the pads on the periphery of the arrays to make a passive micro LED. So we did a drive the micro LEDs in 2000, uh, the micro display, right? First one was two, published in 2000. One one, so we can actually already display characters. We see those; it's incredibly different from the LCD display. For example, even OLED, the brightness, the speed, everything. So at that time, we actually we know it's potential for really for the self-emissive display technology. But at that time, we don't know how to drive that. Micro display array like in the active mode, which means you really need to drive them by CMOS circuits. Each pixel has its own driver. So we didn't have that until we, like a 2009, so we had the funding from Army Night Vision. They gave us a, like a kind of approval to go for to develop that. So that was a very exciting development when we made that active driving micro display for the army night vision goggles that was the actually the original thing that's really something we, we would like to pursue when back to 2000s so for the micro display the concept was uh, demonstrated uh, uh 2001 and not the two, 2011 as the Chinese machine and we made one 10 by 10 and because uh, we don't know how to drive this, mm. so we connect this 100 micro LED with 100 wide bounding <laughs> outside. Yeah. But that's very clearly and shows up some of the very unique uh, and uh, properties, very bright, very high resolution, and color is excellent. So all these uh, um, important or interesting characteristics of these uh, micro LED, everybody that we know, claim it was demonstrated and uh, 2001, but uh, we 
understood. And uh, in order to get this really close to the uh, uh, real products, we need to make one probably at least close to the 500 by 500 arrays. But uh, now you cannot do wide bounding. And then we thought about this, and we realized we needed to have a C mouse to drive it. And it took us about uh, uh, 10 years until 2011, and we called it together, and we designed the CMOS array, and we demonstrated this, uh, uh, we call the EGA format, which is the 640 times 480. It is almost uh, a quarter of the million and uh, uh, pixels. It's a real display. We can see image, we can see video playing, just one single color, either blue or and green. I think from that work, 2011, and then a lot of big companies, and they realize, oh, this can be done, at least for the uh, single color, and uh, the company can do better than us overall in terms of the products, and uh, already demonstrated. I think this started to kick off in all the micro-LD field. Now, sort of as a display technology available to uh, to consumers, uh, micro-LEDs, they, they seem to only have really hit the market just a few years ago. When I was reading up uh, on this work, uh, you know, I noticed, uh, you know, Sony had demonstrated a micro-LED TV back in 2012, but it seems to have only been made commercially available just a few years ago in uh, 2019. What's made it difficult to commercialize and uh, to produce these uh, these displays? You mentioned the very small size of the, uh, the first displays. Can you talk a little bit about why that is, why... Um, why micro LEDs are maybe better suited for uh, for smaller uh, displays, you know, at least initially. I mean, these days for the display, uh, they're getting better and better. But uh, for the nitro micro LED, and these are the in terms of the brightness, and these are using for the lighting, so these are very high bright. And uh, then you're talking about the, the um, color, and uh, you can control the, all the colors better than all other existing displays, and then talking about the special resolution, because these are small size, and then you're talking about the and the speed, and now we're talking about the 4K, 8K, and, you know, micro LED, it's uh, faster than any other emitters. With all that, now first let me talk about the, the one difficult thing from the uh, Sony, and uh, I think Sony is the first company to demonstrate the micro LED large TV, but, and they target in the beginning, target the whole panel is fabricated together. You can think about, you know, you get the tens of millions of the, and the micro-LDs, you get a few wrong, and then you need to fix them. So this technology evolved. And later on in the Samsung, and fine, instead of making a huge, bigger panel as a one single TV, and they break it down to the small panels. So each panel maybe. um and covers the 100,000 LEDs, and uh, and then and then make sure each panel works, and then combine the panel and to make a bigger uh, TVs. So this technology has been adopted not these days, and the size is not a, a issue anymore. You just combine more and more these small panels. You can make a, a TV for the micro LED as big as you want. So this is, a, a, I think it's a very smart move and to help to increase the yield, overall yield for the TVs. So then there's another problem. You've got uh, tens of the millions of the LED 
they have to put in the right place and with the context. So this was extremely difficult, particularly in the beginning. But there's a lot of progress and right now, and there's some kind of infrastructure has been built up for this micro-LED technology. And one, for example, is a specially designed instrument and you can call the mass transfer and the millions of the air micro-LEDs from wafers and to the, these bigger panels. And a lot of progress, now you can do the more efficient and much more and accurate. So I think it's already um, shows up and uh, um, these costs also will come down relatively quick uh, if we can transport very efficiently. I'm saying the announcement for Samsung is only the price already went down to 50k for the very big TV. In contrast to Sony, that one was like 1.2 million, right? So you can see this uh, progress in price. In fact, in fact, it's in a very good trend. In fact, for the micro LED TV in terms. So that the sound like as if they do have ways to overcome all their technical difficulties. Uh, in terms of micro display, eventually we want to wear them for eyeglasses, uh, Google display, this type of things. People trying to pursue for virtual uh, VR display. We think a full color is still challenging because uh, the you, you, now the pixel we would like not to be like three pixels on side by side. It, uh, you want to have higher resolution. It's uh, preferred to have stack them up. So that's a difficult that still need to overcome for micro display part. It's not fully overcome yet, but a lot of progress for the red color based on indium gallium nitrate. Could you tell me a little bit about uh, those challenges in terms of uh, in terms of color? You mentioned red, and I know uh, I know blue has been notoriously difficult uh, with a lot of uh, a lot of LEDs. Uh, this related with energy bed gap of these material. You start with gallium nitride. It's a little bit on the UV side, and then you in add some percentage of indium, you get the blue color. And then you add more indium, you get to the green color. So for the red color, you have to add a lot of indium. But the indium nitride on the indium gain nitride on the indium nitride side, it's very difficult to control. But and there's a lot of progress using different methods. You can put more and more indium inside this system. So now you get the red emissions with uh, um, enough efficiency, or at least you know, uh, close to the and, uh, uh, green color. So now you can combine these three together. So uh, in terms of the full color, it's already a lot of progress. Now the question is, how do you put these three colors together and use some kind of mechanism to drive them? Not only now each pixel, you also have the three colors. Yeah. And so the other part also needs to be overcome. But I think uh, uh, this uh, uh, can be done and probably will be done in a few years. Probably mechanism still will remain as CMOS driving each pixel, but how do you drive the stack, the pixels, maybe need some kind of thinking there. So which uh, some of the bigger companies probably they have some ideas already. <laughs> yeah, as long as the fundamental physics part is already, probably is already overcome, yes, in terms of color control stuff. Yeah. 
Now, we've touched upon this a little bit, but uh, with micro LEDs, uh, it seems manufacturing is uh, is notoriously challenging uh, and from the sounds of it, rather uh, lengthy. The issues of thermal mismatch, you know, the sapphire substrates, testing, you know, replacing the faulty LEDs, they all seem to be sort of creating like the perfect storm uh, for a costly product. And, you know, some of, some of my information may be a little bit uh, out of date there, but... That said, prices, uh, as you mentioned, have uh, have come down a bit on uh, on those displays. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the uh, progress that has made that happen? And uh, one of the most important progress uh, in terms of make these uh, micro LED large TV, it is still is the uh, how to transfer these uh, and uh, micro LED from the wafers and uh, to the uh, large panels. And uh, in the beginning, uh, I think a few years, and the company, they've tried to find the way and uh, basically to improve this called the mass transfer technique. And a lot of progress, and now I saw the news, and there's a company, they even have the uh, equipment designed purposely to do this job. And uh, a lot of progress, and, but they still need to even and transfer more efficiently. There's another way uh, approach is interesting, and uh, um, I saw there are some uh, publications. And what you do is uh, you put a little bit of uh, magnetic materials uh, inside this uh, micro LED, and then you have the array of the magnets underneath. So you just randomly pull all these micro LED on the top surface, and then when they start to get to the place you want them to be, so this is a very smart idea, and this idea it was adopted from an early time from the semiconductor concentrated solar cells. And they were put to a certain point, and now it's coming back, and you just want to put the old LED in the right place. So in principle, if you have a magnetic array, can control them to the right place, and then be much easier, just pouring all the micro LED, and they will kind of slide into the position, but uh, of course, and uh, uh, this uh, still need to be and uh, developed kind of for the real uh, production, but uh, there are some publications already pointing and there are some positive results by approaching this way. I would like to add, I would say, you know, it's really for the industry to take this technology over for mass production wise, I would say the history is not that long, right? You think it's a, it's like started like 2011, so now it's it's not that long. They are making a lot of progress already, so we, we think it's going to be it's going to be coming down just like other technology TVs we saw like OLED has been like out there for 20 or 30 years, and eventually now we see the TV price coming down, right? So this would happen same thing to the micro LED TV as well, we think. So, so maybe give another few years. We think the price probably will come down. We all we all need to buy by then for ordinary families. Sure. Uh, now you had mentioned um, with the magnetic thing. Is that uh, does that refer to the uh, the panels going into place? Yeah, these are for the micro the large TVs. Right, so right. So work shows up. You put a little bit of magnetic materials. And then you underneath you have a magnetic arrays, and then you know it's much easier and to 
put these microLEDs to the periodic structures, the place you want. And I think uh, if this can be adopted to the uh, production eventually, and this will be a very effective way because assuming you can imagine you have uh, uh, these uh, small magnetic array, you get turned on, turned off. You pour in all the microLEDs randomly, and then you turn on the magnetic field, and then they get to the right place, and then you turn off your magnetic field, and then you can move this to the next state step and repeat the process. So you don't have to transfer one by one, and these microLEDs become smart. They, they know where they should go. Well, I suppose right now they're just using pick and pick and place, right? Right, right now they're like, they use mechanical arm, like a robotic arm to, to pick one micro LED, put in right place, do it really fast right now. That's why the cost is still relatively high. But uh, imagine like some technology, as Hongxing was mentioning, if you can transfer, mass transfer millions of LEDs at one time, then price eventually for the big TVs will come down dramatically. Then maybe give them another few years. <laughs> How has progress in uh, you know related or adjacent technologies uh, such as you know liquid crystals, quantum dots, MEMS, uh, and others? How has that helped to facilitate uh, the growth and adoption of uh, micro LED technology? I think if you look at the history from the LCD display, and then now we have the quantum dots, now we have the OLED. And uh, you look at all the specific uh, and the numbers, and they become brighter, and resolution become better, and uh, um, the color becomes uh, you know more colorful, and uh, uh, so they're kind of pointing to uh, what is exactly uh, we call the perfect display should be, and not that uh, people use a terminology called the ultimate display should be. And you look at these all the specific numbers. And imagine that you're pointing to, and now this uh, micro-LD display will be the probably the perfect display and in terms of everything, in terms of the speed and the brightness, brightness resolution, you know. So this and helped the people to get the why this micro-LD technology is so important. And particularly as some of the technology and they cannot be adopted for the Emerging technology, like AR, VR, and these are the, uh, there are some limitations. But with the, uh, all the specs we know from these uh, blue, green, and red, indium, green, nitro, micro LEDs, and uh, uh, we don't see any uh, shortfall or any limitations for all these uh, emerging applications. That's why and people all get excited. Yeah, I suppose, you know, you could you, you imagine that the lighting, how bright it is. So now we are talking about the display application, obviously, that lifetime, for example, is much more, It's it, you couldn't compare with LCD or like a, even OLEDs or any other technology. Lifetime is much longer. You can actually make them much brighter and also self-emissive. You don't need any backlight. And the angle, we call that, you know, this is a wide range of, you can go, go to the side to look at the TV, it's still very bright. You don't have this problem of like, a, you know, the, the, the angle, it's a wind down, it's really bad viewing on the other side. So we have very wide view. And this is all the, seems like there is no, as Hongxing pointed out, we don't have short 
shorter falls for, from micro LED technology. So as you were saying, that, that whatever the technology previously before that, so we have some kind of wish list of what we could have because uh, we are we are some some something limited in terms of lifetime, something limited in self emissiveness, uh, brightness, resolution. So you look at uh, basically, you know, there's a wishing list of what we wish to have. Micro LED can give you all that. That's the reason probably it can fill fill in. Yeah, nothing could be better. <laughs> That's what uh, people think. Now, I was wondering if you might be able to talk just a little bit, you know, kind of briefly about some of your current work uh, with micro LEDs. Uh, you know, is there anything right now that the two of you are working on in the lab that you're uh, excited about? Well, do you have some thoughts on uh, how these uh, full color micro display and uh, uh, can be achieved with the uh, progress on the red color side? And, but uh, we have some, you know, idea and the designs. One thing is, and when the bigger company start to involve the to make these uh, become real products, and then and uh, um, we need to find something it's uh, unique because I think the bigger company can do a lot more, a lot better in terms of how to devise for the concept and to the production eventually for the mass uh, in the market. And by the way, we, we do have some new technologies and based on like emerging from this micro LED idea, for example. I mean, we recently just have some allowed the patents or issue the patents on like a, we call the face theory technology, optical, yeah, optical face theory, so which just it, it is based on our like a micro LED idea. We drive them by CMOS where we could actually eventually, you know, uh, make these things out of like a electronic counterpart like a radar but we we can make a lidar out of micro led arrays so that's actually patterns are issued so that's a new technology we're trying to really uh, it's actually coming out from a research lab, lab at university but it's not really to a stage of mass production yet but there's some new concepts people are uh, actually exploiting not only our lab you know there are other university labs uh, trying to use actually many publications, right? How to use micro LED for some new new applications. Excellent. That's really interesting. Could you tell me a little bit about, you know, what, what might some of the advantages be of using, uh, you know, micro LED for, uh, for LiDAR, for example? Yeah, that's the, something we developed uh, these days. Uh, you to be the only time you have a uh, radar is uh, rotates all the time, mechanical part. So, of course, it's become and uh, not as robust. And uh, later on, people develop called a phased array. That's for the electrical ma- ma- magnetic way. You can scan the uh, sky without any moving parts. So there is no such a thing for the short wavelengths and the optical wavelength. So it has been a very significant question about uh, almost 30, 40 years now, can we control a light beam in the visible wavelengths without the mechanical part? And uh, there's some work done and more on the one-dimensional scale. And now we have a two-dimensional array, and uh, we just need to control index reflection, control the face of each pixel, and we can, we can control the light reflected back from this we call the optical face array to any direction in a 2D and, uh, um, and uh, uh, plan. So 
and uh, uh, we spent quite a lot of time and working on that. And we have some positive results. And this could be quite interesting because now, uh, in order to control all these pixels, you need to have the size of the pixel and close to the half of the wavelength. So for the visible wavelength, now we're talking about the each pixel down to the 300 nanometer. So 20 years ago, as that cannot be done because with amount of information, you don't even have a computer power to control this kind of the and the uh, amount of the pixels. But uh, now it is not a problem, and, but uh, um, how do you achieve this face control for each pixel with this kind of small size? Uh, it's, it's, it's a really, and uh, not, nobody uh, did anything like that. Uh, but uh, for the longer wavelengths, and then and, uh, uh, it's a, a lot more easier because the wavelengths become bigger and pixels become bigger. But uh, this is just very beginning, and uh, we find that there's a lot of work can be done in this field. Yeah, maybe take another 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> just like how micro ID initially become this late, but that's just like a original uh, ideas we we, but it's related to micro LED, the array idea. So it's based on three nitrides. So, but as Hongxing mentioning, I mean, the, for for visible. Visible arrays, you know, this is a pitch. Pitch requirement is really comp comparable to wavelengths. It's become even more challenging than the micro LED technology for display effect. <laughs> yeah. For example, if you look at these self-driving car from Tesla, at the top, but there's a something to rotate. Yeah, look at this one. Something is not right. Okay, there's a mechanical part. You have a car driving. You have all the rotates. So what happens? Something happens. So we need to have one device Chip. that can look around, and uh, all the time there's not any moving part. That is the is the uh, optical face array device. So uh, this, you know, I think uh, eventually this can be done with current uh, and all the uh, these uh, nanotechnology or nanophotonics, this kind of thing. So we're also very excited about this that technology. You can control the light without any moving parts. So yeah, some ideas already. People, you you, you might heard of face theory, optical face theory. Uh, typically, something realized is in one D, one dimensional thing. Now, for the array LED, we automatically have two dimensional array. So that's there's still a chip size. You can you can put on the car without even notice there's anything, but without a requiring any like a radar, like a rotating on top of something. So that would be very interesting. But uh, it's gonna take another. We guess another 20 years <laughs> to be realized. <laughs> and, and, and one more thing is people working on this one dimension of face array, and most of uh, the uh, approach is using uh, user temperature change. Mm -hmm. Temperature change and uh, resulting the index reflection change. But this effect is very small, so typically you need a very long optical path. And it comes up, and we work at microD from these getting nitrogen materials. And these uh, nitrogen materials, they also have a very interesting property in terms of how to control the index reflection, how to control the uh, carrier concentrations. So that's how we decided, that, you know, and this is the direction and uh, we should pursue. It's funny you mentioned uh, 20 years. I used to do, uh, so in photonic spectra, we look back 
five, ten, twenty, and thirty years ago at previous issues of our magazine. Yes, right. And a, a lot of times, you know, when we get to the twenty-year mark, we're looking at technologies that are just now uh, getting commercialized. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I, I, I just thought that was kind of a. Yeah, I think some of them even now takes even longer. Because we're getting to more and more complex things. Just like Michael, it was first one demonstrated 2000, sorry, 23. And the commercialization right now still is very small and uh, in terms of market size. And But as you said, you know, it takes a long time. And yeah, we're very appreciated with uh, um, your magazine and uh, report a lot of our work early time. And one thing we found very recently, I think about six months ago, you mentioned that 20 years ago. And 20 years ago, we developed another photoluminescence technology you can look at the aluminatural. Aluminatural wavelengths at 200 nanometers. That's what we call the infrastructure important. At the time, we work on the gaming nitride. And aluminatural photoluminescence is not that easy to be measured. So we would like to work on the aluminatural 200 nanometer UV wavelengths. So we you know, thought about this when eventually we developed one called the time-resolved picosecond system, which can do the time-resolved photoluminescence all the way down to 200 nanometer. Now there's a products and, uh, and many groups now can look at the time-resolved luminescence all the way down to the 200 nanometer. So all these kind of... You know, exactly, yeah, your photonic spectrum magazine, December issue last year, says 20 years ago, there's a, Kansas State. Yeah, Kansas, we were at Kansas State. This is, that was like a summer memory or whatever. The history development, photoluminescence system of characterizing semiconductor aluminum nitride. <laughs> that was interesting you put it back. Uh, so that mentioned that, that technology, but uh, I thought, wow, you guys didn't mention about the micro LED. <laughs> 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 also like 20 years ago, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's good that you come back and say you want to interview us. That's interesting. Uh, you did a report our work. I went back to 23 years ago for micro LEDs. Yes. As you mentioned, 20 years kind of time frame. Yeah. And almost this is a time for the deep UV LED. Yeah. Deep UV LED, the basic property for the aluminum gain nitro, aluminum nitro was also around the 2000. But the really these uh, uh, deep UV LED become products, I think around the uh, 2018 sometime, you know. So it takes that long, but now we have very good uh, deep UV LEDs now. Sounds like 20 years is an, it's kind of normal for from. Uh, concept to really like a product, useful products, especially for hardware technology. Uh, maybe what I'm not uh, talking uh, in behalf of like a software technology, right? All the hardware technology seems like a 20 years is needed to, to really go from a concept to real products. So for now, the see micro LED display technology by itself, the market size predicting is reaching like 30 billion by 2030, <laughs> according to some of the market research agencies. So it's, it's really satisfying for us as an academic and professors, yes. Now, I guess sort of the, the elephant in the room, uh, so to speak, uh, is that the two of you are uh, our husband and wife. 
how long has that been the case? Uh, and, you know, what's it like working together, you know, both in the lab uh, and at home, you know, say, for example, like washing the dishes? <laughs> yeah, I guess, you know, we, we, we try to balance like, a, first of all, we said we are very grateful to Kansas State University. They probably one of the first institutions are willing to hire husband and wife in the same department which was really a traditional, uh, was for forbidden. I guess uh, they weren't to do that. That was really a big thing. So we, we are grateful. So we feel blessed. But we find in the beginning, we didn't fight each other. You know, it's not that, as you were saying, you know, at home, people still struggling who, who's going to wash dishes, right? So we find, uh, pretty soon we find we, we, we kind of look into our working on our strengths, which part we more efficiently, we focus on. So the part we are good at, so we complement each other and uh, we feel that's more efficient. In fact, the two pe- more than two people, because we, if the part we are bad at, we, we don't emphasize, we, we focus on the, our strengths. So that's actually, we do same thing in the lab in the, at home, for example, Hongxing really not enjoy washing dishes. So I would let him pass that. But he likes to cook, so I uh, enjoy cooking. So he he takes over some of those duties at home. That's what we (laughs) we do, yes. And it's not only we work together for so many years. In fact, and uh, uh, we were trained together. I'm uh, uh, two years uh, earlier than Jin Yu, but we were in the same lab, so in the graduate school. And we shared the same advisor. And so it's a um, very unique experience to work together for almost uh, 40 years. And I think uh, um, other than what Jimmy said, uh, the one thing I feel interesting is and we have a lot of the uh, kind of casual and very enjoyable uh, conversations, you know, either uh, at home during the dinner or even go out and have dinner. That's probably a very unique experience because typically, I suppose most uh, husband and wife we're not talking about business, talking about some problems. But you know, these kind of moments you kind of enjoy the dinner, you kind of relax. You know, but sometimes you have something coming up, and they have people talk about to kind of more finalize and uh, your question and your where is really problem and the helps down the road. And when these kind of things happen quite often, so I think it really helped us to, in many aspects, which kind of problem we should uh, attack and how to prepare, how to attack these problems. Uh, I think that's a very unique experience. And so far, we all very enjoyed uh, this procedure. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I guess we talk more, even talk work all the time, basically, which is, yeah, I mean, sometimes we met the students in restaurants, they say, oh, you guys actually eat? You know, <laughs> yeah, we do eat, you know. <laughs> but while eating, we, we do also can talk about the ideas, generating new ideas. That's a, it is very, in, it's, a, it's a unique experience. Yeah, we, we enjoyed it. Thank <laughs> you for asking that, that question, really makes us uh, look back. This is a, yeah, it is very enjoyable no it's wonderful it's wonderful to hear about you know it's uh it's not often uh you know on all things photonics that we get to uh uh you know talk about something like that so you know it is uh it is very nice 
I want to thank you both so much uh, for appearing on the podcast. Uh, you know, this has been such a great conversation. Okay, thanks again for the invitation. We also really enjoyed. Okay, thanks a lot. That concludes this week's episode of All Things Photonics. Thank you to our engineer, Alan Shepard, and to our news editor, Jake Saltzman, as well as to this week's sponsors. Our featured music is courtesy of betterwithmusic.com. Most of all, thank you, our listeners. As always, you can share your thoughts, pitch us ideas, and let us know how we're doing. You can reach us at allthingsphotonics.com. All Things Photonics is available on all major platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, as well as on our website, photonics.com.